Now it's time to get all set for Sunday with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little bit more prepared for Sunday Mass. Jeff, Tennessee Jeff, how the heck are you? I'm good. I am uh, currently on vacation with my siblings and all their kids and spouses, and uh, there's 13 of us in a house in Tennessee, and we're having a blast. So never before have I been a more distracted or busy Catholic parent. Maybe not busy, but distracted. (laughs) And today we welcome Father Jerry Bird back with us to get all set. How the heck are you, Father? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. You guys doing all right? Obviously, never, Jeff is since he's yeah never been in. better talking to you two. Yeah, anyone listening to the podcast is going to think, does Jeff just go on vacation? Because this is my second one in about a month that I've recorded from vacation. Well, There's you also do work a- for the church, so I mean, you got to use your time. So <laughs> exactly, got to take take advantage when I can. Exactly. There's also a, a painting of a bird behind you that just looks like it's eating out of your hair. Uh, There's no know. painting. I think it's it's very um, very reflective of last week's gospel where the birds came and ate the seeds. I just imagine you being a good seed, Jeff. Aw, thanks. Uh, that means you have to get rid of the birds. I think that's what we were called to do. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but why don't you just take us over the uh, the two-minute drill? How about that? Awesome. 16- I don't know why I put a W in there. The two-minute drill, not dwill. The two-minute drill. Uh, the, the 16th Sunday in ordinary time is where we're at. So our first reading this week comes from Wisdom, chapter 12. Uh, It's really just kind of an affirmation of God for doing a good job. A nice little pat on the back, talking about how he has ultimate power. He can do it any way he wants, but he does it with guidance, with a gentleness, providing hope for people. And I think it's in the Old Testament, they're like, thanks for that version, because we've seen the other (laughs) side and it's not great. Uh, The responsorial psalm this week, Lord, you are good and forgiving. Uh, which sticks with that same thing, theme. Um, Second reading comes from Romans chapter eight, uh, and it really focuses on the Holy Spirit and the idea that the Holy Spirit is our intercessory always. And we don't always pray right. We don't always do, aren't always guided in the right way, but the Holy Spirit fills us. And if we invite him in and fills us, it says he intercedes with inexpressible groanings which I often fill my world with expressible groaning. So it's nice to know that the Holy Spirit is going with the inexpressible ones. Um, and then finally, our gospel for this week, which I should have had prepared and pulled up, but I now I do. Um, our gospel this week is Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 43. A burner. It's a long one. Or we can go with the short one. And as anyone who listens knows... I'm going to opt for the short one. So uh, 24 to 30 is the short one. It says, Jesus proposed another parable to the crowds saying, the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, do you want us to go pull them up? He replied, no, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. 
Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. All right. Thanks, Jeff. This this gospel reminded me, my uh, my wife, one of her goals for quarantine life was to uh, plant a garden. And it's it's been funny because we've never done this before. We've never had a garden. We've never... <clears throat> Um, you know, tried to grow. We, we're not actually really great at keeping plants alive in general. So this was not only a a, uh, um, a challenge for us, but it's been it's been interesting. But it's a whole learning curve too. So my wife has been like sending pictures on Instagram and stuff, asking, "Is this a weed? Is this uh, you know? Is will will more cilantro grow back?" So for those of us that do not have a farming background like me or um, don't do a whole lot of growing father, what, what is this gospel telling us? What are you planning about preaching this weekend? Well, I'm so last weekend I kind of hit heavy on the seed um, and the sower. So Jesus sows the seed. The seed is the gift of faith that we get at baptism and then the things that get in the way of that. And so, you know, he kind of continues um, in that first part of the gospel, unlike Jeff, I like the long version of it because it gives you more things to talk about. Well, we know it's all about you when you're up there, Father. Unless it's the early morning mass and then they like the short version. Of it, so. <laughs> we are the early morning mass of podcasts, Father. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Jesus is really talking about the kingdom and how... You know, we got to make the kingdom present. The kingdom is pre- – it's like what St. Paul says. The kingdom is now, but it's not yet. And, you know, our Lord is really pointing to the fact that the kingdom is not going to be destroyed. The kingdom will endure no matter what. If you read through the rest of the gospel, the long version of it, Jeff, you stopped at like verse 30, didn't you? Yeah. So there's 13 more verses. Oh, I about, know. I'm well aware. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he just kind of he he kind you know our Lord liked to speak in these parables, so he he just kind of stretched it out. Um, and so what I'm going to look at, at least this is kind of where I feel like the Spirit's leading me. I'm going to look at the obstacles to the kingdom. You know, what are the obstacles to the kingdom? Last week, what are the obstacles to faith? Last week, it was the three obstacles were the devil, our selfishness, and the enticements of the world. And so what are the obstacles to the kingdom? Well, I think those three things from last week really can be expounded on this week. So, you know, Satan doesn't want the kingdom to to work, right? So what's he do? He puts us at odds with each other. He, he's a divider. He divides us. Um, <clears throat> we are obstacles to the kingdom being made manifest because of our own sinfulness, you know, we, we choose um, we choose the things that are are easiest for us to do, especially when it comes to our faith. Um, you know, how, how easy is it for us to say, you know, I'm I'm not made comfortable by X, Y, and Z about my faith. You know, I pick and choose the things that make me comfortable and the things that make me uncomfortable, I pretend that they don't apply to me. And so that's an obstacle to the kingdom. We're not living a kingdom centered life or a kingdom, um, uh, a life that, that expresses the kingdom of God when we kind of live like that. And I, I hate to say it, you know, I think there are more people in that category in the church than there are in the category of 
just living the way that the Lord wants us to. Now, that sounds kind of judgy, and I'm not trying to make it. I put myself into that category, too, because, you know, it's hard to to embrace all of the things that that our Lord invites us to embrace to really live a good Christian life. It's really hard. Even even as a priest, it's hard to do that. Um, <clears throat> you know, the challenges for a priest might not be the same as they are for a husband or a father or, you know, another lay person out there. They might be different. They might be the same, but they might be different. The point is there there's still challenges. And so, you know, if I want to be a kingdom person, if I'm going to be a man of the kingdom of God, priest or not, I have to make a commitment that every day I'm going to embrace the, the life that the Lord is inviting me to live so that I can manifest that kingdom in my life, in my family, in my friends, in my workplace. And I can't do that if I'm picking and choosing the things that our Lord says, you know, live this way. You know, I, I think about the rich young man, you know, that story. I think that story resonates with a lot of people, not just wealthy people. But, you know, we're all wealthy in some way. Some of us are wealthy with money. Some of us are wealthy with friends and family. Some of us are wealthy with power or whatever it is, whatever our riches are. You know, Jesus says to him and he says to us, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And that that right there is really hard for us to do. <clears throat> you remember a couple of weeks ago he said, if you do not – basically, he said, if you love anything more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember when, when we had that gospel passage? I think it was two or three weeks ago. Yes. Um, that's, that's pretty stinking rough. Yeah. You know, to, to have Jesus say, if you love anything more than me, then you're not worthy of me. And then he breaks it down. If you love mother or father or wife or daughter or husband or – brother or sister or job or whatever, if you love anything more than me, you're not worthy of me. Yeah, that was a gut punch. We talked about that a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, that it, it is, <clears throat> it, it take you, takes you back for sure. And as I, I mm-hmm. was looking at this, as I was looking at this week's gospel, I started to really focus on this idea of the landowner saying, don't pull the wheat to wait. And this idea yeah. that like if the harvest is those gifts from God, it's it's the teachings of the church, it's our beliefs, and they grow up within us, the devil will absolutely sow weed amongst those. And if we spend all in, we can like the devil wins when we get so focused on yanking the weeds out that we're compromising the harvest too. Well, that's that's what a Pharisee did. Yeah. You know, remember the Pharisees, what were they always doing with Jesus? They were watching him and they were trying to catch him doing something because they thought he was the weed. Yeah. Hmm. Now, Scott, that's kind of like your wife taking a picture of the, the garden and putting it on Instagram and be like, is this friend or foe? You know, is this yeah. a good plant or is this a weed? Little does she know I'm over there sowing weeds in your garden. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're the weird enemy that I have that keeps on putting <laughs> weeds into my... I also like, like this is the weirdest like thing that an enemy could do is just like randomly come and plant weeds in a garden. What I don't know in a garden maybe, I, well, but, but for this landowner, this is his whole source, right? This is his whole yeah, source. Yeah, his livelihood. I know, but my context is oh, yeah. a, a small <laughs> garden. <laughs> um, 
but the the thing that I I came back to when you said that Jeff was well like then do we just let people continue to 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 roll around and sin? No, I think we have to be so focused. At least what I saw. Tell us, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, Father, because I often am. But what I see in there is we need to focus on those gifts that are there. And if we let, like, as the weeds grow up, if we focus so much on yanking those weeds out, we can compromise everything else that's around it because our focus becomes just on the sin, just on the, the, how the devil is infusing us. And we're not focusing on taking care of the harvest and building it up. And there's something really beautiful to me about like, (laughs) save it for the end because then we'll have this rich harvest and it'll be there. And then we can pull the weeds and we'll burn them. Yeah. But in the meantime, we've grown better crops because of it. I don't disagree with you, Jeff, but I also think that this gospel is like often thought about as, well, you know, we can just let people do whatever they want. You know, God at the end is going to to separate the weeds from the wheat, and that's not our job. Okay, so I, yeah, you're you're both right. Um, High five! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're both right. I I think you know, Jeff, as you were speaking, I was I was thinking about the uh, one one passage in particular from the Gospels that really. Uh, kind of jumped out at me was Jesus and the woman at the well. And any any encounter that our Lord had with anybody, it was like this. He did not go searching for sinners, right? He didn't have to go searching for them. They, they kind of found him. He didn't go hunting for, you know, everybody's faults so that he could point them out and rip the weeds out, if you will. You know, like you said, if the weeds are growing in the midst of the the good plants and things like that, and you rip them out, you you take the chance of of tearing out good good roots. You take the chance of of destroying something there um, that that could produce good fruit. And so, to Scott's question, you know, does this give us permission to just kind of let people do whatever they want to do? Of course, it doesn't. You know, I think the way that that we root out sinful actions in our lives is by recognizing and admitting to that in our own lives and striving to live a good, holy life. You know, that universal vocation that we all have is to holiness, right? So we're all called to be saints. We're all called to grow in holiness. And we're not going to do that if we're distracted by the sins of other people. And what I mean by that is if that's our focus, you know, this is one of the things that the church gets accused of all the time. You know, you are hateful. You, you know, you are bigoted. You're not supportive of people because you're constantly pointing out the faults of people. Mm. You know, I think about, um, there's a priest down in, uh, Louisiana, I can't remember exactly how to say his name, so I'm not going to say his name. But anyways, Father preached a homily recently about um, marriage and how marriage is between one man and one woman and how you know the church – he kind of expressed again the church's teaching about marriage. And you know some folks in the, in the church and some activists that were pro-same-sex uh, marriage thought that he was being 
offensive. And so they were calling for his dismissal and all these kind of things. And when all he did was proclaim the the teaching of the church. And so he was he was looked upon as one who was ripping out the weeds hmm. when what he was really doing was saying, hey, here's the teaching of the church, and this is how we're called to live. He wasn't ripping out we the weeds. Called... He was saying, here's the harvest. This, yeah. this is the gifts that we're called to. These are the sacrifices. Yeah, but he was being accused of yeah. ripping the weeds yeah. out. And, and that's, you know, we get accused of that all the time when, you know, I'm a priest and my primary, you know, my primary mission is the salvation of souls. I, when you guys see your pastors this weekend, think about that. Except for Tim, or, uh, yeah, you're Father Witch's scholar, you're not going to see him this weekend, are you, Jeff? I think we'll be back. We'll be back. I thought you will. I thought you were going to say I shouldn't think about that when I see Father Tim. Well, that's what I'm <laughs> like, and then I stopped. I'm like, oh, you're on vacation. You're not even going to see him. Um, <laughs> I'll think about the other priests who can help save his soul too. <laughs> all working really hard to Father for Father Witchescala, but you know that's the primary role of the priest. It's not to be, um, you know, a, a social a social worker or you know, an event planner or anything like that. And unfortunately that's kind of, been, kind of been what's, what's happened. But my job as a priest, and I tell my people this often, I tell them, you know, I'm going to be judged by God for how well I taught you the faith. I'm going to be judged by God for how well I fought for your salvation. And then I tell them, I'm not going to hell for any of you. <laughs> Because my role in a person's life is to introduce them to the Lord and to help them uh, help them be saved. And we can't do that if we don't proclaim the teachings of Jesus Christ. And the teachings of Christ are given to us through the church, and they don't change. I, and, yeah. I think it's so and there's a way to do it that doesn't that's not destructive. I think that's something beautiful about this passage is, in the end, it's not about let sin exist unfiltered, but it is about raising the crop and building and like really trying to focus. But in here, it's very specific that you have to know the difference between the weed and the wheat, because in the end, the weed is going to be cut and burned, not pulled, yeah, but cut and burned. But the wheat gets stored away in the barn. That's the salvation there. That's that piece is don't go yank them out but always know the difference between the weeds and the wheat, even if you have to use Instagram to help you do it. Now it's time for dumb questions. But I mean, if we're being honest here, pretty much all of Scott and Jeff's questions are dumb. Anyways. All right. Jeff, do you have any dumb questions for us? I've got all kinds of dumb questions. I'm super excited. Father, I'm on vacation with my family, so I opened it up to the family. I said, does anybody have any dumb questions for Father Jerry? Um, first one I had, so I'm here with my youngest sister, Stacy, um, Stacy Helmuth, her, her and her husband are here with my beautiful niece, uh, Franny. Uh, she is getting ready to get baptized here in the next couple of weeks. We're very excited about it. Like just so excited to bring her into the church and all that. My sister asked this question. She said, what as a young parent with a, they've got one kid, one baby, what's the protocol for a crying baby in church? What's the threshold? She, she's got it. Okay, know. here's here's my here's my saying. 
if the church ain't crying, the church is dying. Amen, hey. Father. Amen. <laughs> oh, you're, I, I can feel people applauding. All dozen of our listeners are applauding. <laughs> All, of them. All right. Everybody stop. Give us a five-star rating real fast. Thanks. So here's, here's what I say. Um, I'm okay. For, first of first off, I have to say that I'm not one of those priests that um, reads a homily off of, you know, I don't type it out and read it out. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of an off the cuff prayer to the Holy spirit, you know, that's just my personality. So I will that's admit a, that's that a really when, beautiful way of saying making it up as you go along. You know, we gotta we gotta baptize everything, right? <laughs> <clears throat> um, there's a really bad way I could have said said it, but yeah. I didn't say it that uh-huh. way. So, you know, I I admit that I get distracted when I hear um, when I hear a kid scream bloody murder, and sometimes they do. You know, like. For instance, at mass last night, I was celebrating mass and I heard um, this big boom. And I assumed there was one one little toddler in the church, and I I thought that he like bit it. I thought that he fell and like landed on his face. And turns out it wasn't him at all. I waited for like ten seconds to hear his cry, and it turns out it was an adult that accidentally dumped their their purse out on the pew in front of me. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> what, what do I think people should do with their kids when they, um, you know, when they start acting up, I, you know, if the kid's just fussing and not making a whole lot of noise, don't worry about it. That's what they do. If they're fidgeting, you know, don't worry about it. Um, I, I do think, and maybe this is, you know, keep in mind, this is coming from a celibate who doesn't have children. Right. Always. So I do think that the distractions that we provide for kids aren't always that good. You know, like if we're going to teach children that you have to fast an hour before receiving the Eucharist, it's probably not a good idea to try to shut them up with Cheerios or snacks during church. Even though they're not receiving the Eucharist, I think now, this is again, my personal opinion. I think it would seem like we're going to be promoting, okay, if I'm hungry, then all I got to do is make some noise and mom and dad are going to give me some Cheerios or a granola bar or whatever. So that's my personal opinion. It does often feel like Cheerios are the official cereal sponsor of the Catholic Church. I find Cheerios all the time. (laughs) find Cheerios all the time. Um, The other thing is... If it if it comes down to Cheerios or granola bar versus parents not hearing anything that you said, what is the what is the better choice? I mean, make a prudent judgment, right? I can't I can't really say Nice. Push it back on us. I love it. Well, no, because you all know your children. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, I've not had to wrangle three or four kids or one really excited kid during Matt, you know, like telling a kid they have to sit still for an hour is. Yeah. One doesn't work. One it recommendation that we've, that we've tried and, you know, obviously we haven't been uh, able to practice this at a church recently very often, but um, is when you take your child out to the narthex, you don't put them down and let them run around. Yeah to try to hold them, keep engaged in the liturgy. But, you know, if you 
go out back and let him run around and play, then they'll always make noise and want you to take yeah, it out to the kids back. are smart. They'll learn that that's the fun place to go. And what do mm-hmm. I need yeah. to do to get there? Yeah. I also well, just, you know, we, we think we train the kids, but the kids end up training the parents Amen. by doing that. Amen. Stuff, you know? And so, you know, like, okay, I'll give you a little, a quick little, little example here. I have, um, I have lots of little kids in my parishes. We do not have narthexes, narthexi, narthexi, narthexi. We don't have those. We have cry rooms, but we're not able to use our cry rooms right now because you can't social distance in them because they're actually just big closets. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we just got back into the churches. And so, you know, when we've got a kid screaming bloody murder, like they sometimes do, you know, they can have an accident or they could drop a kneeler on their foot or whatever. Um, the, the parents don't have any, like they have to go outside if they have to take the kid out. I had a few years ago uh, this family, and they had some. They have they have twins, twin boys, and the boys were real little. They were playing with Hot Wheels in the church, mm-hmm. and this was during mass. And this little old lady came up to me after mass. And she said, "Father, I got hit by a car today." I was like, "Oh my gosh! I'm so glad that you're 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 standing." And it was like in her upper eighties. Oh, are you okay? And she said, "Yeah, they hit me right in the head." And then I thought, "Okay, you're just crazy." Well, it turns out one of these boys took his Hot Wheel and he chucked it at the lady during mass and it Ah. popped her right in the head. Um, If you had seen that happen, would you have been able to hold it together? No. (laughs) There's no. There's no way. You said the phrase baptize everything earlier, and I that's one of my favorite sayings. And I just realized that baptizeeverything.com is available and I'm putting it in my cart. Perfect. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm excited. What do you do with what's that? That, that could that could go sideways real real easily. But maybe I'll take it out of my cart. <laughs> well, you can use use it well. So to answer your sister's question, Jeff, you know what? Just pay attention. You know what what's going on with the kid? You know, is there a real emergency? Are they just being whiny? Um, but ultimately, you know, make a prudent decision because. You know, priests are people too. We're not superhuman. So, you know, a screaming kid will distract us. And I've heard stories about priests from back in the day that would stop their sermon or stop whatever they were doing and they would turn around or I've heard, look at the person and say, get that kid out of here. I've heard those stories not from back in the day. From I mean, I heard one of those five, six months ago um, from a friend. But I, I yeah. agree with you about make a prudent judgment because I think as a parent, there's a balance between ignoring what's going on so that you can retain what's happening in the mass and what's going on. Because as that parent, you can often ignore your kids and like, you know how to put it, but how's that affecting everybody else in the room or in the church and how they're receiving it? Cause we're called to holiness as individuals, but we're called to bring others to holiness as well. So it is finding that balance. And oftentimes when I hear those stories, I think where you finding that balance um, if it becomes such a distraction and honestly, father, if you're up there and what my kid is doing is such a distraction that you can't focus on what you're doing, I would love for you to ask me to leave. Cause I'd rather you get it right and not be distracted than, <laughs> than me just get to sit there while you stumble through the words of the consecration. <laughs> well, what I typically do when that happens is I just stop. Mm-hmm. And because if I get 
caught off guard and I might I get distracted if I just pause for a few seconds I can find my spot and then go back and usually when father you know if he's up there rattling off the Roman canon you know Peter and Paul and Andrew and James and John and Thomas blah 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 Bartholomew Matthew <laughs> then people are going to be like oh Oh, oh crap. crap. <laughs> it's mine. It's my kid. I know it. my kid. Dang it. Gosh. Stop throwing your Billy, hot wheels. Stop pulling your sister's hair. Or if, it's, if that's actually one of their names, you just emphasize it really loud. <laughs> Bartholomew. <laughs> and then just stare daggers at that kid for a minute. I do have a. When I was a. Uh, she's, she's not a kid anymore. She's a college student, but her name is Felicity. So that would work actually for her. <laughs> or you just throw when a random a... name, Jaden. <laughs> then give him a little little look um when i was a kid i i thought that you know like that part of eucharistic prayer where we pray for those that sleep in the peace of christ Mm -hmm. i thought like father had saw like saw me not off and um like he was calling me out for falling asleep during mass fun that's awesome that's 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 good fear that's good fear right there (laughs) that's healthy jeff what what else comes from the the trailer family questions okay Last week we talked about with Father Meyer about leaving early from mass and you don't leave early from mass here. Let's talk about the other end of things. What's too late to arrive at mass. This is a great (laughs) question for parents trying to get to mass. What's too late. When you say too late, what do you mean? Like when have we hit a threshold in the mass? It doesn't count. We should probably wait and just go to the next mass. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk so standard hour long nine thirty mass. How far into it are we before we should probably just reset and wait till eleven forty five? I would say if you have missed the liturgy of the word, the whole liturgy you of the know, word. If you're coming in, if you're coming into like if you're coming into the church during the homily, you need to go to another mass. Okay, got it. That's because a good threshold. You can't, yeah, you can't. I mean, we can't chop it off. It, you know, it used to be that. But if I catch the back thing, end of the gospel, I should have a seat because I'm good. <laughs> I mean, are you there for the liturgy of the word, though? That's the yeah. thing. Like, yeah, if you come in mid first reading, I think that's fine. Even if you come in at the psalm. Um, but if you're getting there and you hear the first thing you hear the priest or the deacon say is the gospel of the Lord. And then that's when you're walking through the doors, then you've kind of missed like that first whole half of, because think about it up to that point, we're preparing for what we're going to receive in the Eucharist, right? Now, and if we miss it, we miss it. Let me say this. If you miss most of the liturgy of the word, but you've listened to an amazing podcast for distracted parents and distracted Catholics that has already done an unbelievable job of recapping the readings and helping prepare you. Does that help balance that out a little bit? Well, if something like that existed, (laughs) (laughs) okay, a mediocre podcast for distracted parents. There you go. There you go. All right, I got more dumb questions. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it might be the case that you know it's the last mass of the day, um, and you you get there late because there was a legitimate reason for being late. And you miss the gospel and you're there through part of the homily. I would say go ahead and stay and do your best to participate. But probably you're not going to be prepared to receive the Eucharist. So maybe make a spiritual communion 
um, instead of going up and, and receiving Holy Communion when you're not That's quite great. prepared for it. That's great advice. A good, a good, uh, prudent decision. Good answer. Yeah. Good answer. Nice job. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question, Father. I know you grew you grew up Baptist, correct? Yes. We talked about this on the podcast. When you're up there preaching, you ever find yourself slipping into a little fire and brimstone? I know, you, like um, I know you to be a very gentle yeah. preacher, and like you, you you'll deliver a strong word, but in a gentle tone. I wonder if you ever like call out for an amen or anything, or if you ever slip into your roots. <clears throat> I, so I have a seminarian with me this summer who was raised in the Church of Christ, the non-instrumental Church of Christ. So um, he, he commented to me a couple of weeks ago after one of the masses. He said, man, I have never heard a priest preach quite like you do. Uh, and I was like, what are you talking about? Thank He's like, you. You got, you got the <laughs> – yeah, well, he said you got the Catholic – you got the Catholic content with the Baptist flair. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I have never heard a priest refer to the people listening as church or Christians. I'm like, well, I just, this is what I grew up with, you know, like that's, um, so yeah, I do. Um, obviously I don't preach the, the theological Baptist kind of way, but I do have kind of that, I mean, that would be my style. That's how my family is, you know, not that, you know, we're walking around screaming amen, hallelujah or anything like that, but just kind of free. Yeah, that that would be a Pentecostal church. Oh, sorry. The, praise hands. The, the praise hands, you know, that's um, I, I do kind of have a I guess you could say I do kind of have a, a, a bit of a Baptist cadence in my my preaching. I also had, you know, Jeff, you said that, you know, my preaching is gentle. Um, I had oh. a parishioner say to me one time, I, I preached on one of the harder churches teachings. I, I think it was, I think I was talking about contraception um, or marriage, something to do with contraception or marriage. And I, I preached this homily and after mass, this lady came up to me and, you know, a, a baby boomer. And she said, you know, Father, I just really appreciate the way that that you're able to to chide us with a loving smile on your face. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's your that's how I know what I know of you and your preaching. And I just thought, wow, that's like you know, that could that could be thought of as like an underhanded comment, but that's really No, I like think that, it's phenomenal. That spoke, yeah, that spoke that spoke a lot to me about how people perceive you know, because as a preacher, what do you want? What do you want people to do? You don't want people to come up and say, "Oh, that was the best homily I've ever heard," because you were engaging and you were entertaining and you had a joke and you had blah blah blah. You want people to walk out of church and say, "Dang, I got I got some work to do." You know, I was engaged in that, and I feel like, man, maybe I'm not living up to the the call to holiness, or maybe I'm I'm not seeking my salvation the right way. And that's the challenge that a preacher should should be putting out there to his people. And I talk, I've been talking about the hard stuff for the past month because these gospel passages mm-hmm. have just been smacking them to us. And so, you know, last week I preached about parents have to be the primary catechists of their their children because you're going to be parents. You're going to be judged by God as to how you helped your children work out their salvation. That Baptist flair and, just came out, Father. I heard that you're going to be. 
<laughs> I heard it. You're gonna be. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be. You're gonna be back. You're gonna be judged by God. And I preached about um, how when we want to be comfortable, we choose the thing that is that that is the least good for us. And I talked about humana vitae and how the, you know there's a lot of a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of Catholics who have embraced artificial contraception in their marriages and how that's you know kind of destructive and all that. So, you know, I don't shy away from the hard things. Um, but I also, you know, I think about how Jesus said the hard things and he always said them with charity and with compassion. Jeff, let's ra- wrap up with one more question. If you got, if you got one. All right. I got one last question, father. This is a, I do this and I want to know if you do this as well, because I know you to be a man of many voices. You've got some great impressions and things. Sometimes when I read the gospels or any scripture, um, if there's like a change in tone or there's different characters, I read in different voices in my head. So I noticed in like the long version of the gospel this week, there's an italicized portion. And so I, and it says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what is laying hidden from the foundation of the world. But what I heard in my head was Jesus saying, I will open my mouth in parables and I will lay, announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. I want to know, do you ever do weird things like that? Do you ever read these things in voices in your head? <laughs> it, yeah, in my head I do. Um, can I hear one? I, can I hear one of your voices? The 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 thing, I watch a lot of BBC, <laughs> and so, which I probably shouldn't because I, I pick up accent very easily. Um, I can pick up an accent very, very easily. <laughs> You're that guy who studies and abroad so, and comes back with an ask, accent? Yeah, I mean, I no, it's like I go to Europe for two weeks and I've I've picked up the German accent and I talk like this. Um, <laughs> or if I'm watching, you know, something where the actors are all Irish, I pick up a little bit of a brogue, and I, you know, like it's talking about some. So there are minor. times. Yeah, yeah, so, or the cock, <laughs> the Cockney, hello, you know, so that that kind of stuff. Um, I I think. I think it's normal. I think it's normal oh. because I do it. So all right, I'm gonna have you and write you a note. It. So there's two of us. I'm gonna have you write a note to my wife and tell her I'm normal. All right, Father. Just don't do it while you're reading it, Matt. Oh no, that might make people laugh. Father, thank you so much. We Wait. wouldn't want that, Scott. I want to laughing at dirt. I, based on our conversation here, I want to give Father Jerry an outro. Can I do that? Yeah, please. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the man who works for the man with the master plan. He's got the Catholic content and the Baptist flair. Ladies and gentlemen, Father Jerry Bird. <laughs> Thanks for listening to All Set for Sunday. We hope your children behave during Mass this week. <laughs>